Well, we've been going through the New Testament this year. Uh, we've been in Paul's letters recently. We went into 2 Corinthians, and we were in Galatians, and now today we're going to be in Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, is kind of uh, two parts. It's, it really just flows, um, but the first part of it is about our relationship with God and, and how we were made right with Him. And then the second part is how we, um, our relationships with one another. And so because of what God has done for us, because we've been made right with Him through Jesus, now how do we live with one another? Well, next week, Nathan's going to be um, talking about our relationship with one another, I, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, well, today, though, I'm going to be uh, the, in the first part of how we are made right with God. It, it doesn't seem like it's a, a big issue. I think when you read the first part of Ephesians, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, it, it's like, okay, I, I see this, and this is nice, and this is all the stuff I learned in church and Sunday school, and this is good. Now, let's get to the good part. Let's get to the part that, that teaches me how to treat my kids and how I'm supposed to, to love my spouse and, you know, the, the things that we can live out. But I think a lot of times when we look at the first part of Ephesians, it's just like basic truth. Now, I, I don't really know what to do with this. But I I think this is very important, far more important than, than I probably would have ever thought, and I think you'll, you'll hear the same thing when we read through this text this morning, because one of the hardest things that, that I think we all have to deal with is once I become a Christian, does life look any different? You might look at someone else who was not a Christian, and then they became a Christian, and then you, you see them a year later, or three years later, or ten years later, it's like, well, they're not really any different than before. Sometimes there's change, sometimes you don't see it. But then also, when we think of our own lives, maybe I, I lived uh, probably about 17 years not really being a Christian. Now, I, I knew who God was, I knew who Jesus was, but I mean like where you actually take, take it seriously. And, and then I think, well, what would my life look like before, and then what did it look like after? And I have to ask myself, at times, is it really that different? You, you might do the same. Is life really different because I'm a Christian? Paul's letter, the first part of Ephesians, addresses just that. So we're going to skip the intro and go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and see what he says that I think will help us to see how life is different. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I'm going to stop there. The entire passage is about being blessed, being spiritually blessed. Now, I'm not sure we recognize what that means. I would skip over this most of the time when I read it. I read that, okay, that's, that's what it means to be a Christian. We're blessed, good, and that's great. Now, now let's get to something that's life-changing. This is life-changing. See, sometimes we don't know what it means uh, to, to be spiritually blessed. We don't know what to look for then. I found a story that kind of helped to illustrate that. At the beginning of a novel um, uh, by Frednick Buchner, I don't really know if that's how you say it, but he captures this insight on prayer. He, he talks about prayer. And one of the characters, Raphael, is one of the archangels. And, and this is what, what he, he speaks. It's, again, this is just a novel. And he speaks this way. He says, I am Raphael, one of the seven archangels who pass in and out of the presence of the Holy One. Blessed be he. 
I bring him the prayers of all who pray and those who don't even know that they're praying. He, he says, and again, as a character, as an angel, this is what he hears from us. Some prayers I hold out as far as me as my arm will reach, the way a woman holds a dead mouse by the tail when she removes it from the kitchen. Some, like flowers, are almost too beautiful to touch, and others so aflame that I'd be afraid of their setting me on fire if I weren't already more like fire than I'm willing, than I'm like anything else. There are prayers of such power that you might almost say they carry me rather than the other way around, the way a bird with outstretched wings is carried higher and higher on the back of the wind. There are prayers so apologetic and shamefaced and half-hearted that they all but melt away in my grasp like sad little snowflake, snowflakes. Some prayers are very boring. I think what he's trying to say is that our prayers can be so far off because we don't know what to ask for. We, we have questions in life. We have voids in life, but we don't recognize how to find the answers or how the voids are filled. That's what Paul is doing in Ephesians here. See, we have to have a better understanding of what does it actually mean to be blessed. When, uh, in, during first service, right before I went up to preach, Colin asked everyone to, to pray and to thank God for one of the blessings that, that we have, something that we are clinging to right now. And I have to tell you, I feel like I failed. Um, I knew what I was coming up to preach. I knew what, what text I was going to read because I've already read it and, and tried to process through this and pray over it. And, and, then, I, and then whenever I was praying about a blessing, I, I just, my first thought, the first thing that came to mind was, thank you for my kids and, and my, my new puppy. We got a new puppy two days ago. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, I didn't thank God for the sleep that we got the last two nights, but because uh, puppies don't let you sleep. But, but I, I just, that was my first, and then right away I thought, what am I doing? I, I just, I think I missed the point of my sermon that I haven't preached yet. So I'm preaching to myself too. I hope that this text will help us to understand what, what really matters, these blessings from God, and why they're actually life-changing, because I, I think they really are. Just in the first verse alone that I already read, we learned two important truths. We learned that these are blessings from God, and we learned that they're spiritual. And when I hear that, I think, okay, I, I know they're from God. That's easy to process, but they're spiritual, so they, they don't really matter temporary or uh, in my life right now. And, and, I, and I'll be missing the, the point right there because that's just not true. The spiritual blessings, they change life right now. I'm going to tell you how this morning as we read through them. So going to verse 4. Paul, I want to pause for one second. Paul is, this is a letter to, uh, to the, the church in, in Ephesus. So these are people 2,000 years ago that I think he's addressing them because they had the same questions. Now, the questions that I'm going to kind of bring up, they're not in the text, but the answers are. So I think, I think what's going on here is God was giving these people answers the same way that we can receive the answers as well. Now, we'll get to the questions in a little bit. So verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. The first blessing comes from the idea that God chooses us in love. Now, if you've become a Christian, it's because you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but only because God first showed his love 
by sending Jesus to die on the cross for, for our sins. And so the first thing I read, the first blessing, is that I've been chosen. And when you realize that it pleases God to have you as his child, I think that starts to change things. You realize that you've received a, a huge gift. Because I think the, the question that, that this answers is my question for my identity and my purpose. We, we all are, are uh, after an identity and a purpose, and, and through becoming a child of God, you've, you've gotten both. See, I, I remember uh, school starting. I remember when I started in, I think it was seventh grade. And, and okay, so in sixth grade, there was this kid that he wore all black, like wore black jeans. He wore, usually wore a black T-shirt with uh, like some kind of he heavy metal uh, group on it and uh, maybe some chains. And, and there were a group of kids that dressed like this. And when I was in school, we, we uh, called them goth or gothic. All right, and so this kid was in that group. And uh, that was his identity. Next year, seventh grade, go to school. First day of school, I see the same kid. This is a real story. Um, same kid, and he's, he's wearing a flannel shirt and jeans and, and boots. You know what I thought? Someone beat that kid up and took his clothes. This is from the lost and found. His identity changed. Yeah, one year he, he fit in with this group of kids, and so he dressed like it. And you know, and then the next year, he found another group of friends, and they dressed that way, so what did he do? He changed his identity. Uh, what we do, I think, a lot, not just in school, well, it, it continues on, maybe in sports. If you put on a basketball uniform, then what are you? A basketball player. If you put on a, a cheerleading outfit, uh, remember a couple weeks ago, I asked you to visualize me in a cheerleading outfit, and we not going to do that again. Uh, some young girl wrote, uh, drew a picture of me with hairy legs, and she gave it to me after church. That was very kind. But what we, what we put on sometimes becomes our, our identity. When you get into uh, the workforce, maybe you're a, a farmer, uh, minister, doctor, teacher, nurse. You, you, people ask you, you know, what do you do? And that's really, who are you? And then we identify that way. Uh, we find our identity sometimes in, in words like mom or dad, grandma, grandpa, a husband, wife. Now, these aren't bad. None of these are, are, are bad in identifying this way. But the problem is sometimes we lose our identity. A widow. You know, you were a, a, a wife for so many years, and your husband passes. Then you have uh, the same identity. Maybe a, a mail carrier for 32 years retires. Well, how do you identify? Sometimes their identities change. Teachers retire. Nurses retire. I mean, these things are all going to change. And when, I, when my identity changes, when my basketball career is over and I don't put that uniform on ever again, I've lost a little bit of my identity. So then who am I? And if I don't have an identity... I probably don't have a purpose, or at least it feels that way. But when we read this text, as I look for a new identity, as, I, as people look everywhere to, to identify in some way so that they can have, have that and have a purpose, I read this text, and I learn that I was chosen. You were chosen. You were adopted. 
which means that you're a child of God. Now you have an identity and you have a purpose. This is a blessing. This is a blessing that will not go away. I might not be looking to this text to, to find uh, uh, the answer to my identity and my purpose, but it's sure there. This is a big deal. Paul keeps going, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to, the good, to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under earth. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the, for the praise of his glory. This is another huge blessing. This, this text tells me that I've been forgiven and I've been redeemed. I've been made right with God, and it was a gift. This tells me that I'm loved. This tells me that, that someone cares for me. I think all of us want to know if anybody cares. Uh, I'd like to think everyone cares, but sometimes maybe people don't ask me how I'm doing. They don't care about my interests or my lifestyle or, or anything like that, and then I go through life and I start to think no one cares. But when we read this, we know that God does. And what this does, it gives us two things. It gives us value, and it gives us hope. The value is that we were chosen. You were chosen. You were chosen by God. He, he sent his son to die on the cross for you because he loves you, and he wants you to be with him forever. You specifically were chosen by God. There's value right there. Maybe no one else chooses you. Maybe you don't feel like you, you fit in or you're popular or anyone cares, but guess what? You were chosen by God, and that gives you value. It also gives you hope. Because what I, when I see this, and I see that we have forgiveness, a God who would send his son to die for us, since he loves us that much, and he wants me to know it, so he did a really big thing to show it, what about next? What about the next life? When I, when I get to heaven, just, just think how much God wants us to know he loves us by sacrificing his son. When I get to heaven, how much more will I know? I think it'll be I don't think we can even imagine how amazing it will be, how much we will feel loved, and we know that'll never go away. See, I can have my identity, I can have my purpose and my title at work and at home, and I can have a clear role and idea of what I'm supposed to be doing for the good of God, but if nobody cares, if I don't feel this value, then who cares? Forget about all that other stuff. So where do we find our value? I want to I want to read a story that I I read it once before, uh, and I I just remembered this. It was January sixth, two thousand nineteen. Now the good thing is no one comes to church on January sixth. It's too early in the year and it's too cold. So you probably didn't hear this before, but if you did, I'm still I'm going to read it again. There's an old legend about three men and their bags. Each man had two bags, one tied in in front of his neck and the other tied on his back. When the first man was asked what was in his bags, he said, In the bag on my back are all the good things friends and family have done. That way they're hidden from view. In the front bag are all the bad things that have happened to me. Every now and then I stop, open up the front bag, take the things out, examine them, and think about them. But because he stopped so much to concentrate on all the bad stuff, he really didn't make much progress in life. The second man was asked about his bags. He replied, in the front bag are all the good things I've done. 
I like to see them, so quite often I take them out to show them off to people. The one in the back, I keep all my mistakes in there and carry them all the time. Sure, they're heavy, they slow me down, but you know, for some reason I can't put them down. When the third man was asked about his bags, he said, the bag in the front is great. There I keep all the positive thoughts I have about people, all the blessings I've experienced, all the great things other people have done for me. The weight isn't a problem. The bag is like sails of a ship. It keeps me going forward. The one on my back is empty. There's nothing in it. I cut a big hole in its bottom, and uh, in there I put all the bad things that I can think of about myself and hear about others. They go in one end and out the other. I'm not carrying around any extra weight at all. We find value and hope in what we carry, in which bag we choose to carry or focus on, and what it's filled with, our, our thoughts, uh, what we think about. I mean, what, someone could say something and we could take it as positive or negative. Uh, someone could look at us and we could think they, they need someone to talk to or we could think, and that look, they, they really don't, they really hate me. I mean, we can, we can, with our thoughts, we can really build up a lot of our value and hopes. The, the, the problem is, though, even carrying these bags, when we only base it off of our temporary blessings, it won't last forever. When we, when we base it off of what we see in the Scripture of, of, of God loving us, of God choosing us and then proving it through sending His Son, that bag will never be empty. If, if everyone else in the world cared about me a lot, but Jesus didn't, then it all ends here. I don't like that. But as Christians, when we realize that it doesn't end, I think that carries us a lot farther. Because this is not just about us. Maybe you feel valued and, and you, you find hope. Someone else next to you doesn't. Maybe someone here, maybe your neighbor, maybe a family member. Someone does not have this hope and someone does not feel valued. Someone does not feel loved. And so the idea of all this is that it leads us. Remember earlier I said you, you find your identity, which then leads to your purpose. Well, this is your purpose, the Great Commission, to share the good news of Jesus with others, to tell your next-door neighbor, to tell a family member, to tell a stranger you are loved. God loves you and He chose you. You, don't, you might not think that means much, but he actually proved it by sending his son to die for you. This is a big deal. The Great Commission, or, or telling people about Jesus, it matters to us because it gives us a purpose. It matters to others because it gives them their identity. And it matters to the world. If we want the world to be a better place, we, we ask for it. We pray for it. We pray on earth as it is in heaven. This is how we're going to get there. One lost soul being saved, one person finding value, one person, person feeling this hope and knowing that life can be different because of the spiritual blessings from God. Paul finishes up this way. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, the praise of His glory. This last blessing answers the question of what's next. Yeah, maybe I've, I feel like things I've, I've gotten figured out. I don't know if anyone actually believes that, uh, but maybe we feel like I figured life out enough that I can at least survive. I can get by 
But then what? Well, that's right here. The work on the cross, the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus coming back from death, this is the completed work of God. And this is all we need. See, these are the gifts that can carry you through life, even in the darkest moments. Charles Allen said in Lessons from the Lepers, he wrote, I've seen a picture of the pilgrims at at the first American Thanksgiving. Do you know half of their number died the first year they were there? They had a hard time. It was a cold winter. Dangers lurked everywhere, but those pilgrims didn't think of the death of their loved ones and the dangers and the cold weather. They didn't let that obscure the blessings of God. They went together. They thanked the Lord for the blessings they had received. Sometimes we need to put down our assets alongside our losses. Every one of us is more blessed than we are hurt. I really like that last line. We need to put down our assets and our losses. I think sometimes the, the losses in life can, can really bring us down, can really pull us away from God. But sometimes our assets can do the same. When we're so focused on all the good around us and not the good from God, maybe I don't need God. Maybe I have an identity and I'm good with the one I have. And I have my own purposes. I have my own goals. They won't last. They won't last. This is our identity. This is a gift that we could never even ask. We we wouldn't ask for this if we didn't know it existed because it's that amazing. If you're going through a hard time right now, I would just, I hope that you just stop for a moment. Stop thinking about your circumstances just for a minute. I know it probably is not easy at all, but just for a moment. If you know Jesus, you're blessed more than you'll ever know. Not just today, not tomorrow, but forever. See, God has answered life's greatest questions. He has filled those voids that we really would not ever know how to fill or answer. But they're right there in front of us in His Word. So would you receive His Word? Would you receive His Son? Would you receive His Spirit? And go through life knowing that these blessings are here to stay. If you don't have these, uh, these, if you don't know these blessings, if this is new to you, I just ask that you would come talk to me. Uh, I'll, I, I tried to explain it the best I could through Paul's words in Ephesians, uh, but the Bible's full of reminders and truths and examples that God loves you. God wants you uh, to be in His family. You get a choice. That's what love is. Let's pray. Father, you are so loving to us. You've, you've proven that uh, from the very beginning. Uh, you created us. You made us in your image. You wanted to spend time with us. And when we've gone and looked in different, different places, when we've tried to uh, fill life's voids and answer questions in our own way, it just pulled us further from you. But because of your love, you sent your own son uh, to die a painful death so that we could come back to you. Uh, that, that, is, that is amazing, God, and we thank you for that. I thank you that, uh, that we've been able to read your, your word and, and, and to see how this matters in our lives today. And so I pray for all of us here that even when we don't feel blessings, or even when we do feel uh, more blessed than we could imagine, that we would remember the real blessings come from you and they last forever. We thank you so much for Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen.